Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. And you got to turn on your mic, buddy. Man, isn't it awesome when you got this nice tablet you can't find your message on it? So this morning, we're going to jump into our, our fifth week. No, sixth week. Got my notes wrong on here. Sixth week of our present series, and we're going to focus on purpose. You're like, Pastor Noe, I thought we already talked about a purpose series. Well, let me tell you something. As we went through our people series and we went through our purpose series, I was super excited to get back to our present series because God revealed something to me as this kind of unfolded, that we went through a focus of, of five or six weeks of our purpose series, but then God revealed to me, said, Noe, do you realize that purpose is found only in my presence? Okay, so, so I was excited because I was like, Lord, what if they didn't discover their purpose? What if they didn't get to the place of where they realize what you've called them to do or what, what they're supposed to do or where they're supposed to be or what excites them? Or, uh, you know, there's this, there's this one book I've been reading. I've been going to Pastors University for the past two months. It'll be the third month this month. But um, they've been talking about how there's things that you love and how you enjoy and things that you're passionate about. And then this book talks about the drudgery zone. Well, I've been figuring out, I've been telling Becky, that right there, that's my drudgery zone of things that I don't like to do. I was talking to an individual this last week. I said, I hate shopping. I hate it. I will do it. I will serve this house. I will go get all the stuff, but I hate shopping. Guess what the person told me? I love shopping. So it's the opposite of drudgery for some. But what I'm asking you and challenging you this morning when we talk about purpose, don't do something you hate doing and aren't built to do. Figure out something you're passionate about, something you're excited about, and do that, especially if you're going to do it for a lifetime. If you hired me to be the church shopper, I would have quit already. But I'm doing that right now, and i got to get that off my plate because that does not bring me the most satisfaction. Not that I won't do it at times. How many of you know sometimes we have to do things we don't like to do? We have to do things we don't want to do. We have to do things sometimes that we're not built to do. But when we figure out what we are created to do, we can never do anything else and be satisfied. Man, that was a good opening. All right? So really, most of us, do you realize, we grow up believing who we are based on what other people have said we are. Hey, you're good at math, so maybe you know, you're good at science. Maybe you should be an engineer. Maybe you should focus on these crafts. Or, hey, you're horrible at math. Maybe you should go over here on this side. Or you're great at reading. You know, like, you know, whatever it is, based on what you're good at, people tend to determine what you're good at or what you're not good at. How many of you remember the harmful words of somebody when they told you something you were not? Right? But how many of you today are living by a byproduct of what somebody said you were going to be? Maybe your dad was a welder, so you became a welder. Maybe whatever craft your father learned, maybe you did because that's all you knew, and he taught you that, and you thought that that's what you're supposed to do, but you just did that because it was familiar, not because it was what God had called you to do. So we have to realize that it's one thing to be encouraged and to told, told by someone else what our purpose is. It's a totally different thing for God to speak to you specifically and tell you what he has called and created you to do. Because there's man's agenda, and there's God's agenda. 
Now, you got to realize, we, we got to do both. i got to go to work. i got to make a paycheck. i got to provide for my kids. But also, there's ministry in my heart that God has given me specifically to do. But I tell you what, if I just do the work thing and I don't do the ministry thing, I'll never be satisfied. And some of you may say, Pastor, no, I don't have any time to do the ministry time. But you've re- got to realize that ministry thing is the thing that unlocks the satisfaction in every other area of your life. You have to make time for those things that you're passionate about so you can get through those seasons of those things that you're not passionate about. Got it? That's why Pastor Noe can go shopping and not lose his stuff, right? Like it, I, I do so much of what I'm passionate about every now and then. It's not a deal breaker, right? So we got to realize, what does, who does God say we are? I remember in high school, the counselor is asking me what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be as I was growing as I was getting higher in, in my classes, they wanted to schedule my classes to, to establish a graduation plan. It was at that moment I realized I had no plan. You ever been there? They're like, what do you want to be? with? What do I got to take? What do I not have to take? What are the easiest classes? I had no grasp on what I wanted to be or what I wanted to do and, and realizing the magnitude of that decision. Sometimes we put too much weight on what we're to be Sometimes we don't put enough weight on what we want to be. Sometimes we get stuck. You seen that? Kids at home won't ever leave, can't ever figure it out. You're like, come on. You know that you got you to gotta come on. Got to come on with it at some point. Now, but I think the other times, sometimes you take off too fast and you run off and you haven't gotten bearings yet. You know, we've encouraged some young adults for Christ for the Nations. That's Bible school before you do any formal education. Cool thing about Christ for the Nations, I'm going to throw a quick nugget in there. You can get two years of Bible training. That transfers to Dallas Baptist University. You can walk away with a bachelor's. That's what I did. So I got focused on Bible training. I got focused on a degree. I satisfied the things in my heart, which was ministry, and I got a degree which satisfied my grandma because she said, Mijito, you're going to get a degree. I said, okay. (laughs) That's the way it was going to work. So I was able to do both. And accomplished, but I didn't, you know, it did, you know, and I remember, let me, let me throw this nugget in there. The whole time, my grandma always was so hard on me about work and providing for family. And I remember that when I decided to leave STP and start pastoring full time, I was a little nervous because I was like, man, she's always about providing. And, you know, she was always focused on the degree, you know, the, the working in the secular world, providing for family. And I called her and I said, hey, uh, I was nervous because I was like, I always feel like it's been this formal education. I said, hey, I got an opportunity to pastor. I just want to let you know that I have the ability to do that full time. And she told me, she said, I knew that the whole time. I'm so proud of you. And I was like, no, you didn't. You told me to get a degree and I wanted to pursue ministry. And there was this pool. But how many of you know, mama knows best and grandma knows best. You just say, yes, ma'am. Because when you don't know, they know. Okay. So the purpose, when we talk about a definition of purpose, the reason for which something is done, created, or for, which, for the reason for which something exists. Now, a lot of us, if we say, why do I exist? If, if, if the extent of your existence is to work a minimum of 40 hours a week, get up in the morning, go to work, go through the grind, come home, have dinner, give the family a high five, go to sleep, get up and do it all over again, and that's the, extents of, the extent of your existence and you are missing the big picture, there's more for you. God never intended just the normal grind. He wanted the grind with a little bit of extra flavor. If you've made it dull, it's your own fault. 
If God has you in a specific spot right now, realize why he has you in that spot. Most people are so frustrated with the spot they're in, they won't see what God is doing in amongst it. I did a lot of stuff I didn't like to do and didn't enjoy doing before I got the opportunity to do what I loved. Now, it took some big steps to get out of that comfort and to take some steps into ministry. Um, I believe that each of those times, God was working something in me. He was revealing my flaws, my my rough edges, and he was working through that. I learned a ton of stuff in the secular world, right? Through businesses and how things are run and how they communicate over communication. You know, I worked at the nuclear plant, so communication was huge. You always have to say, I understand what you understand, that you understand, that we understand. We all understand for one strand of communication. So it's funny with my leadership. I say, listen, if I send you a text, you send me K, you send me a thumbs up, you let me know you got the text. Because I don't know if you got the text. You may have read the text, but I don't know you read the text. So we have to realize that some of these things of who we are today are a byproduct of things that we've experienced. But how many of you know that God wants to use those experiences today? There's things that he works in. You say, well, I'm a craftsman or I'm a tradesperson or I'm a business person. God wants to use all of that in his kingdom right now. He doesn't want you necessarily to become something totally different than you are. He has already begun to deposit the things inside of you that he needs you to be right now. It's not a waste of time. It's not inconvenience. We have to realize that everything that God allows us to go through, he allows us to go through, and if we'll pay attention, we'll learn something. But how many of you know it's hard to learn something when the grumbling and the complaining is there? Lord, if you would, you know, hey, just pay attention. Learn what I want to show you. And then expect God for a promotion or a change or something to, to change in your life, okay? So this, this morning, I really hope that if you're at that place of, of not knowing, you say, I'm just going through the motions, Pastor Noe. I just feel like I'm existing, but I'm not existing. I pray this morning that God would reveal his purpose to you. We have to realize that um, in purpose, it's only found in the presence of God. So discovering, you know, being in the presence of God will open you that. If we look at the story of Samuel in 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 10 in the verse 19, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase some stuff from the scripture. If you want to go back and read it later, great. But we realize that Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. So he lived in the temple courts. He actually stayed in a place where the Ark of the Covenant was. So we know in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant always represented what? The presence of God, right? Where the Ark of the Covenant was, was the presence of God. And it actually said that Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the Ark of God was. And in that moment, if we look at verse 4, it actually says, that is where the Lord called Samuel. He was in the presence of God, and he was called by God. Now, some will say, well, didn't he already know God? Didn't he already have a relationship? He was, in, he, was, he was actually working in the house of God. But yet it says in verse 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, for the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. There was not this understanding. He was just positioning himself in the presence of God. And it just so happened that one day in the presence of God, he met God. So we realize the story that, you know, he's sleeping one night and he hears that he hears a calling Samuel, Samuel. So he gets up and he goes to Eli, who's sleeping. And he says, did you call me? He says, no, I did not call you. Go lay back down. So this happens over and over and over. It happens about three times. And then Eli comes to his senses and he says, listen, Samuel, the next time you hear that voice, this is what I want you to say. Say, speak for your servant is listening. 
Eli realized that in the presence of God is where God speaks. And what was happening in Samuel's life was God was calling to him in his presence. So he goes, and then we realize that, you know, he says, speak. And then in verse 19, which is way later, it says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. So Samuel was laying in the house of the Lord. He was laying in his presence where the ark of God was, which was his presence. But we realize that the Lord will speak in his presence. He will always speak in his presence. You know, in my life, every single time, and you say, well, that's you, Pastor. No, but I believe God's the same. He works kind of the same way. Every time that God spoke to me, he directed me, he led me, he transitioned, he clarified a step in my life. It was revealed through the word of the Lord, revealed in a time of his presence. Why do I love worship so much? Because it is a time of his presence. It's in a moment of his presence when the word of God speaks to us where everything changes. Transitions our life. It turns the light bulb on, realizing who we are to God, how he sees us, that he's passionate about us, that he loves us. So realize that in this, this usually happened in corporate worship, just like we experienced this morning. To that moment where I'm singing, I exalt thee, and I'm focused on him. But guess what? God is focused on you. And when he focuses on you, he speaks to you specifically and calls you to a purpose and a passion and a design that I cannot fit. You're not trying to be like me and I'm not trying to be like you. You're trying to be all that God has called you to be. Because you're like, Pastor, I can't preach. I didn't ask you to preach. Did God ask you to preach? If you did, you better get on your chops and learn to preach. But if he didn't call you to preach, what did he call you to do? Now, fathers in the house, he's called you to father your family. Women in the house, he's called you to love your husband. And take care of your children. They're specific things. But what I'm talking about this morning is the specific things. I mean, he, show, he shows there's things in Scripture that are the general things. But God wants to speak to specific things. I never read in the Word everything I read. They said, Noe, you are to be a pastor of Harvest Time Church. I never found it in the appendix. That was something that was spoken by the voice of God in a moment of his presence in the avenue of corporate worship. So we have to realize that God does, God call, he does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. Let me, let me explain what that means. You don't have it to have it all together for God to call you into his work. You have to realize, though, if he does call you, he equips you with what you need to be successful to what he, to what he calls you to do. I'll tell you what. Not all the time do I freak out, but I often think about pastoring this church and the magnitude and it growing and you know, and I'm gonna, y'all are all sitting down, so I'll brace you. We are considering going to two services. This scares the living daylights out of me. I don't know how to do that. I've never experienced that. I've never walked through that. The ministry teams, we were working through some of the structure, and I was bumbling all over myself at the staff meeting. I was talking this out, and Becky was like, what are you saying? I was like, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm trying to figure out what this really looks like as we walk it out. But let me tell you what, if I focus on what God is wanting me to do, and I realize that he equips those he calls. If he's called me for this position, he'll also show me what to do. Now, I can mess it up if I'm like, God, I got this. But I tell you what, God, right now, I feel like he has me right on that edge of where it's like, ooh, huh? All right, Lord, you got to, I mean, there's nothing I can do. But there's often times that God will put us in that configuration where he forces us to rely on him, but realize that he will give you everything that you need to be successful. You have to quit relying on your natural abilities 
If you are a child of God, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, and the Spirit of God can do amazing works within us to accomplish God's specific purposes. I want you to know that this morning, God has actually called some of you in this room to a specific ministry purpose. But let me tell you what, He has called all of us to glorify glorify Him by living lives that expand His kingdom. All of us are supposed to live lives that glorify God at our workplace, in our families, with our friends, with our families. Our lives should be glorifying God, okay? So in a sense, we've ha- in a, in a we got to realize that we're all called to be ministers before the Lord. So this morning, I want to look at three areas that I believe that if we focus on will help keep us on track in fulfilling God's purpose in your life. How many of that will help you? You know, if you can narrow it down to just three things. Now, I believe there's a specific purpose, but these three things can affect the outcome of who you become and how you respond and what you do. So the three things we're going to look at this morning really quickly is going to be our attitude, our affections, and our actions. How many of you know your attitude can affect a lot of things? You ever woke up, man, just having a bad day, and your wife likes, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, just give me some space. And it doesn't get better, and you kind of mull through the day, and your attitude is just cruddy. And unless God changes it or something, or you get a Big Mac, or I don't know what it takes to get out of that. But there are just some times where your attitude just stinks, and you realize it affects everything else. So poor attitude can affect our purpose. So our attitude really focuses on how we respond because we can have, we can be frustrated and still respond correctly. You know that? You don't have to always respond how you feel. How many of you ever done that? Well, I'm going to say what I think I need to say. You ever done that and got yourself in trouble? You learn to close that mouth real be like, I better not say everything I want to say, but only say what is necessary. But how we respond, so we should honor God by our attitudes and in, 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 in a response in our life. So when we go through the good, the bad, or the ugly, that we should always have good attitudes. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 is what it says. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Now listen to this next phrase. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for who? For you. So many of us ponder all the pages of Scripture and say, Lord, what is your will? What is your will? Well, here's three things you can do that are very specific. He didn't type it wrong. He didn't mean to put Pastor Noe's name in there. He wanted to point the finger right back at you. Okay? He wanted to make sure that you would rejoice always, that you pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. Now, if we look at that passage, focusing on our attitude, always rejoice and give thanks in every situation. How in the world do we accomplish that? Pastor, you you mean even when I'm cheated on my paycheck? Even when I'm forced to work overtime? Even when I came home for dinner and my wife didn't cook me something? i got to have a good attitude and rejoice always in every circumstance and be happy about that? By the grace of God, yes. So how do we make sure we rejoice always? How do we make sure we give thanks in every circumstance? I believe that middle phrase is the key. We pray without ceasing. Every single moment we say, Lord, help me. Before your feet hit the ground, Father, check my attitude. I know I was frustrated with my wife or my spouse last night, and I'm frustrated this morning. Before my feet hit the ground, allow me to forgive. Allow me to repent. Allow me to ask for forgiveness. Whatever it is, or vice versa. Women, you can go to bed angry too. 
Your husband's over there sleeping like a baby, snoring, you're just sitting there grueling at him, looking at him all frustrated. I know what's up. My wife gets mad for me snoring for no reason. She ain't even mad at me. Much less if you, if you went to sleep and you're frustrated that we would pray, that our attitude, that we would rejoice always, that we would be able to give thanks in every circumstance. But we have to make sure this is something we do intentionally. I know it's hard to do, but it's something we must do. The only way to always rejoice and give, give thanks is to pray without ceasing. Realize this, a healthy prayer life will create a healthy attitude. A neglected prayer life will result in a destructive attitude. You know, we have this saying, we don't, we, thank God we don't say it a lot, but me and Becky, if we get, like where we start just getting irritated, we'll say, hey, you know, you had any Jesus time lately? That, that's what that means. Are we praying? Are we spending time in the presence of the Lord? Are we allowing our, our attitudes to be put in check? Right? We don't always feel it. You realize that? God knew that, but he gave us the key. He said, pray about it. Submit it to me. Because if he says to do these things always, to always rejoice, and to always give thanks in every single circumstance, what if I get fired? Huh. Yay. Not really, right? Like, that's not... If it happens, I say, God, you must have a plan. That's awesome. You skip out of work. You're like, what are you doing? You just got fired. God must have bigger plans. I don't know. We don't always know what God is doing, but we can trust that he's good. Okay? So we've got to realize that a healthy prayer life will create a healthy attitude, and a neglected prayer life will result in a destructive attitude. So if, if we have that destructive attitude, we'll find ourselves being negative, grumbling about all kinds of situations. Most of the time, probably things that you shouldn't even care about that much. Have you ever seen yourself grumbling about something? You're just like, well, I think, you know, like, it don't even matter. It's that negative attitude. And it's just like, what are you mad about? I don't want to tell you. Yeah, because it's petty and it's dumb and you should be mad about it anyway. We do that. Like, you know, we, we, and I call it things that are not in our lane. Things that are not directly affecting our lives, but we you know... You want to fight for that person over there and be frustrated? That's fine, okay? But make sure that you allow God to really work in that area of your life. Uh, if you keep your prayer life in check, you'll see the fruit of the Spirit released in your life. We know what the fruit of the Spirit is, right? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of you could use a few doses of those in Jesus' name? Amen. If you need it, just go kind of grab it. Say, I need that one, Lord. Extra patience in my life. I need that self-control. Whatever it is, he says, that is the fruit of the Spirit. We only tap into the fruit of the Spirit when we pray. And we allow the grace of God to be released in our life. So that's how we deal with our attitude. Um, you know, I know sometimes, just give, husbands, I'm going to give you a, a quick little nugget. Keys to a healthy marriage. Just say, yes, dear, sometimes. You know, I was watching this video on, on uh, Facebook. It was so funny. And... The guy got a, got a ticket for running a light. Have y'all seen it? Oh, I got to find it. I'm going to put it on our Facebook page. It's great. So, so the guy was driving the wife's car and got a ticket running a red light. And so she shows up and says, hey, he's guilty. I'm not guilty. She's pretty much throwing the husband under the bus. And it's like, hey, I'm here. I'm not paying it. I don't think I need to deserve it. But he needs to pay it. So the judge is really caught off guard because he's like, so you're here to say that he's guilty. Yeah, I'm saying he's guilty, but I'm not guilty. And then so she goes through this whole thing explaining it, and the lady looks at the husband and says, what do you think? He says, yes, dear. And it deflated the whole thing. That, you, that They realized that sometimes just saying yes and just it is what it is, letting it go, 
will sometimes go a long way. You don't have to win. You got that? It's about surviving life together. You don't have to win every battle. What's the other attitude we talk about when we, in, in one of our new membership discipleship? I think, it's, I think it's in the Discover class, in that new membership class. We talk about that Tigger attitude. You ever seen, you remember Tigger way back when? Y'all know that? Tigger? He's always super excited about everything. Everything he says, he's like, yes. You want to clean the toilets today, this Sunday? Yes. You want to clean up your room? Absolutely. He's always super excited about life. If we would change our attitudes, we could have more of a Tigger attitude rather than a frustrated attitude. Find joy in what you get to do rather than what you think you have to do. Okay? So realize, remember, our purpose is to glorify and bring honor to God in our responses of our life, in our attitude. Kindness and compassion will naturally flow from a heart that has been yielded to the Lord. So some of us this morning, we need to say, Lord, work on my heart, adjust my attitude, allow me to reflect the goodness of God that's in my life. Some of you got to allow the grace of God to work that. So number one, our attitudes. We're really going to stay on track to accomplish our purpose. We've got to deal with our attitudes. Secondly, our affections. So affections focus on what we care about. They say, I don't care about nothing. Oh, you care about something, right? You think about that. What do you care about? To evaluate your affections, you, you got to be fixed on thinking the things that God is affectionate about. we got to realize when affections kind of, when we start focusing on the same things, we realize that the things that we care about are not in alignment with the things that God cares about. I'll tell you what works best. When our affections and God's affections are aligned, and then we realize we live lives of purpose, of satisfaction. So we got to realize that God's affections are what? They're fixed on the kingdom. Jesus' affections were focused on his Father's kingdom. So what do you think our affections should be fixed on? Our own kingdom? Hmm. The kingdom. Father God's kingdom. One thing about God's kingdom is that God loves people. That's one of the biggest things that I see. What does God care about? What did Jesus care about? What was the most important things that he addressed or that he did? He was, he was a lover of people. So we should be focused on people. We look at Colossians 3, 1 and 2. It says, uh, if you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, it says, set your mind or your affections on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Now, some of us would say, well, Jesus came from God and he was, you know, he was in the kingdom so he could think about the kingdom, but he was here on earth and I've never been in heaven, so how can I think on things that are not below, but things that are above? Jesus often said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If the love of God is in you, guess what? You will begin to love the things that God loves. If, you do, if God, the, the Spirit of God is not inside of you, you will not pursue after the things that God loves. But it says, set your mind, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. When we come into a relationship with Christ, our cares and concerns shift from a selfish perspective to a selfless perspective. Well, they should, right? Who can I serve? Who can I help? Rather than what can I get out of this? You ever been there? You ever get offered a promotion? What's yes? Hey, what's in it for me? Right? 
We're just built that way. We all, we take, in, in a lot of the culture, and a lot of the world, you know what they say? Take care of yourself first. Oh, you'll see it all over Facebook. Take care of yourself. Don't worry about them. But God says, lay down your life. It says, greater love has no one than to lay his life down for his friends. That's pretty radical. That's completely opposite of what God's kingdom is all about. Acts 2, 35, it says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. It says, Remembering the words the Lord Jesus said to himself, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I remember when I was young, I kept everything I could get because I did not understand the provision of God. I was fearful of saying, Well, what? maybe I can't afford that later, or I can't have nice stuff, or if I don't hold on to that, I won't be able to get another one. That is the trap of the enemy, of just where you're trying to keep, you're trying to get, you're trying to accumulate all of this stuff. You know what happens if you died right now? Does that stuff really even matter? That's right. You, you, you throw it away. Maybe, you know, uh, my mom's been talking to me. She says, I hope y'all want some of our stuff when we die. We've been, talk, we've been talking about wills and all those things, and, you know, but we realize we accumulate stuff with very little significance. But if we would invest in kingdom significant things, it's like what we did dedicating a baby this morning. That has more long-term results and residual kingdom advances than anything I can build or accumulate. Got to realize that. Our lives should be full of helping others. But let's evaluate are our lives full of helping ourselves or helping others. Don't answer that question, but think about it. Am I self-focused or am I others-focused? You say, no, I I take care of others. I help others. Here's a good way to help answer that question. Where do you spend your time and your money? Well, you know it's the weekend, Pastor. No, yeah, I know it's the weekend. Well, you know I worked all week. Well, I worked all week too. What are we spending our time and our money on? If you look at it, you'll see. What you value, what's important, who are you spending your time with? Most people spend time with their families. You know why? Their families are important. So what if you're spending time with other brothers and sisters in the church? You spend time with them because what? They're important. It's what shows value. It shows, it shows what, is, what is important to you. Okay? So, I, I mean, I, I really feel like I've come to the place where I'm so content, you know, on giving to others and helping others rather than helping myself. Like, I mean, if there's something I need, yeah, I'll get it. But I'm just not, I just, I have everything I have need of. And if you realize, most of us are in that position this morning. We have everything we have need of. Now, Apple's going to tell you you need the next new iPhone. $1,500, I don't know what the new one's going to be. They keep going up. I might as well buy a laptop. It's so expensive, but they're gonna, the world is going to tell you what you need. God is going to tell you what, you what He needs in His Word. He's going to reveal those things to you. So don't take the bait accumulating a whole bunch of stuff. Okay? The Bible says that we'll be known as His disciples by our love for one another, John 13, 35. So we have to realize the purpose that God has for each of us in our lives is bigger than living just living to bless ourselves, but it's about being, a ble- being blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. So ask yourself this question. 
do I make time for people in my lives and do I look for opportunities to bless others? A lot of times we don't see it because we're not looking for it. We're so nearsighted. Me, 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 I, 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 well, I want to. How do we do this? How do we build community? How do we build relationship? I know all of us watch football games. Invite somebody over to watch it with you. Everybody eats, right? Invite somebody over to eat with you. Find somebody doing something that you already enjoy and just choose to do it together, right? It's always funner together. So our affections really realize what we care about, what we're focused on, and this will often determine our purpose and what we accomplish. Number three, our actions. This is a big one. I'm going to cruise through here, because, but this is, I feel like, one of, the, one of the biggest things we do because we can have our attitude adjusted. We can have our affections on the right things, but let me tell you what. Actions determine what we actually do. You can talk about loving people, serving people, caring about people, but if your actions do not show it, guess what? It's just talk. You know, so we, we know that in Scripture, you know, it talks about, you know, hey, you should see, you know, faith with deeds, faith with action. You should see in your faith what you truly believe by what you do. Right? Just like this morning, getting baptized. She had to walk through that. She had to get ready. She had to bring a change of clothes. She had to let me know. We had to schedule it, fill up the tank. All of, like, it just wasn't like, oh, well, I think it'd be cool to get baptized this morning. Requires some action, requires some intentional steps. Okay? So God's purpose in our life is accomplished by doing something. You cannot sit there and do nothing and expect the purposes of God to come forth. God does not call us to be bench warmers. He doesn't say, hey, profess your faith in Jesus, uh, believe unto salvation, and then take a seat right there and don't do anything. But if we look at it, how many people do that? I don't like this message no more, Pastor Noe. If you feel like I'm calling you out, you need to evaluate your actions. Amen. You're like, man, I ain't done nothing. I'm just here to be entertained. I'm just a participator. I'm just here. Like, I'm not trying to step on your toes, but I'm telling you, you are not going to discover your purpose and be most satisfied till you get in the game. Amen. It's not going to happen. It's just not. You're like, well, I've never done church like that. Well, maybe it's time to change something. Y'all still love me? All right. James 2.26, it says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Salvation is not gained by deeds, but our deeds should follow true transformation, a desire to serve others. You know, it's always funny in a church that serves, and I feel like our, our church does serve. But, you know, and don't, don't hear me like saying, oh, we need to, but I'm just, I'm making sure we're all hearing this this morning. Because I want everyone to be a part. But have you ever seen a church that everybody is so concerned about blessing the other one? It's kind of funny because nothing happens. No, 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 I got it, brother. No, 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 you got it. No, no, I got it. Well, somebody's got somebody's to move the chair or sit in the chair. No, you take this chair. No, you sit here. No, I'm not going to sit. I'm going to go sit in the back. No, I'm going to go sit in the back. It's really funny to watch. But how many of you know to bless each other, sometimes you have to receive that blessing? We can't sit here and say, all right, I got a $100 bill, you got a $100 bill. Can I give you a $100 bill? No, I'm going to give you a $100 bill. If we just switch, guess what? We just both end up with what we already had. So somebody's got to be like, all right, brother, I'll take your 100 and walk off. <laughs> uh, there has to be times that we send the blessing. There has to be times that what? We receive the blessing. But if our goal is to give blessings, guess what? All of us should be receiving pretty often. 
You tracking with me? This is good stuff. This stuff will radically change a church where we are focusing on blessing others rather than just blessing ourselves. Where we're focused on how we can serve each other rather than just serving ourselves. This is radical. I thought all churches did that, but that's not the case. The more people I talk to, that's not normal. You know, like people talk about having fellowship and relationship, but I thought that was just normal. You know, I had a, I had a couple talk to me probably about a month ago. Uh, they grew up in the church here and then left for a while and came back. And some of the things that, you know, a lot of people talk about, they said, wow, we just really felt like there was a connection. We felt like people were genuine. We felt like people were sincere. And, and so I took that moment to help create culture. So what do you mean, Pastor Noah, about creating culture? So I told them, I said, listen, it was pretty cool how you were greeted and how you felt loved and how you felt welcomed right away. And he said, yeah, absolutely. I said, well, do you know how we keep that at Harvest Time Church? This is this first time, this is like, they just filled out the Connect card. They're not members. They hadn't been here. But I always try to create culture. So I said, listen, you know what you do? You help us do that to others. The same way you feel accepted, the, the same way you were welcomed. Guess what? Hey, can you take a moment if somebody else, you see somebody you don't know, can you do that same thing? And watch what happens. You build this culture. You're intentional about blessing, about loving, about paying attention. And you know what? Everybody leaves blessed. I had somebody tell me a long time ago in our new membership class. In our new membership class, we ask the question, what can we do better? How can we improve? And usually, I don't get a lot of response. There are some things that we've learned from that. Um, We do get feedback from the Connect cards and I talked to this one, you know, this wasn't the new membership class. This was a follow-up call. They told me, they said, Pastor, I came and nobody talked to me. I said, how in the world did you work that out? You didn't come through the front door. You know, I, I, you know and it was just, I knew, man, it had to be a fluke. There is no way you walk through these doors and no one tells you anything. Now, you may have ran through that middle breeze and blah, 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 and got to your seat. But it's not that we weren't trying. Right? So we have to realize what we do, guys, matters. How many of you sometimes think, man, I should go over there and tell that person hi? What do you do? Sit in that seat or you get up and walk across the sanctuary. Right? But sometimes we are guilty of having those things. You know where those things come from? The heart of God. Because he knows something going on in that person's life that you don't know, but he wants to use you to impact that life. So what you do matters. Well, somebody else will do it. Guess what? If we all have that attitude, nobody does nothing. And you destroy church culture. So we can be counterproductive to the church culture or we can continue to build the church culture. It's going to be important as we go forward to continue to thrive as a church. Oh, let me keep moving. Let me get back over here. So how do I determine, Pastor Noe, what God has built me to do? Most of the time, do something you enjoy and something you're passionate about and something that you're good at. You know, we always go back to that. God has usually already deposited almost everything you need. Now, there's some polished points, but guess what? You know how the polishing happens? He puts me in your life. He puts others in your life, and that's the polishing, pro- that's the polishing process. I think every minister goes through a, and I'm talking from the pastoral side right now, every pastor goes through this I'm not ready phase. You'll never be ready. I think every Sunday, I'm like, Lord, I think I'm ready. I hope I can keep doing what you asked me. You know, where you're fighting those insecurities or you're fighting those doubts. Listen, we're never 100% ready. 
But we've got to make up in our mind to do what God has asked us to do and ask Him to make up the increase. Because that's when we'll see the results. Guess what? God has not failed Pastor Noe yet. I'll put that yet on there, I guess, Lord. I mean, it's up to you. Like that, that's what I feel like. It's like, God's been faithful. He's been good. Right? So three areas to consider about doing something with your purpose. I want to look at three things real quick. Your career, your family, and your ministry. Honor God with your career. You say, man, I'm just a pipe fitter. I ain't doing nothing. Honor God with your career. Well, I'm working at a fast food genre. Honor God with your career. Whatever you're doing at the moment, honor God. Because do you realize honoring God in whatever you do will be your greatest testimony to the world? Man, if you're honoring God and you're working at Walmart and you're all excited, you're dumping them fries, putting that salt, you're all excited about it. They're going to be like, man, what is wrong with you? Man, I get the privilege to work. God's provided this job. I needed one. I was unemployed. Now I'm working at McDonald's. I don't love it, but thank God I'm going to get a paycheck. Look at it in a positive light. What's everybody do? I don't want to work at McDonald's. Throw them fries. Don't even put no salt on there. Make them ask for more salt. Maybe that's what's happening when I don't get my salt. Right? But in your career, honor God. That is God's purpose for your life. Wherever you work, whatever you do. Honor God with leading your family with the position that God has given you. If you're a father, be a father. If you're a mother, be a mother. If you're a husband, be a husband. If you're a wife, be a wife. If you're a child, honor your parents. Because you will reap what you sow, children. Right? I feel like I got good kids. I don't know if I reap what I sowed or God gave me grace. Right? I know I gave my mom all kinds of troubles. And my mom's in the room, so I'm going to keep moving on. <laughs> Number three, ministry. Use, this, use, this, use the skills you already have to serve in ministry. You might not be a preacher, but if you're a master, carpenter, craftsman, electrician, whatever you got, guess what? We need it. We need help. We need buy-in. We need, we need commitment to the cause. I'm telling you guys, until you start plugging into the big picture, you're never going to be satisfied. You're just going to come. You're going you're gonna to sit in the seat, and you're going to leave. You're never going to reap the benefits of plugging into the big picture of church life. I knew what a, a quality, healthy church looked like before I started pastoring, and I said, Lord, I get the opportunity to build that. Oh, I'm all about that. It was such a blessing. When I was in Dallas, I had family, I had people that loved me like family. I'm talking like I could call them and be like, hey, I'm in route, I'm coming from Dallas-Fort Worth to the Fort Worth side and I need to go, hey, I'm going to swing by and take a shower. And they're like, hey, the towel's right there, just leave it on the ground, don't worry about cleaning up, I got it. Like that's something you call your mom for, not church folks. But there was a community of believers, it did not matter what the need was. We got to be sincere, we got to be genuine with other people. And we say, hey, whatever you need. You need my shower? Yeah. Make sure, we, make, make sure we mean it, right? Whatever you need, brother. Because actions are going to be required to really support that statement from your mouth. I mean, even though they say that talk is cheap, right? We want to be people of action. Right? So whatever, whatever that ministry, that skill is. One thing, if you don't know this about Harvest Time, you know, for our members here at Harvest Time, we unapologetically encourage all of them to serve. 
That's the only thing that makes it work, guys. We cannot do what God has asked us to do without people being committed to it. So we unapologetically ask all of our members to serve. Serving will allow you to, we know that serving will allow you to be connected to the body. It will allow you to, a place to contribute. But do you realize it will allow you to be the missing puzzle piece that maybe needs to be in place for others to see their place? You know, it's, it's hard when you just have one puzzle piece to figure out where it fits. You ever done that? Like if you just had one, you're like, I wonder where this goes. And that one puzzle piece actually doesn't fit anywhere until the other pieces around it are assembled. It requires us being assembled so that that one piece can see its spot. But if I don't position myself, you will never find your spot. What if we all say, well, we ain't going to serve. We're not going to be a part of that. We're not going to assemble as a puzzle piece. I'm going to just be over here in my own identity. Well, we will never see the glorious image and the picture of what God wants to do. Have you ever put a huge puzzle together? When it's done, you feel that proud accomplishment. You're like, man, I did it. Or have you ever got to the end and one piece is missing? Talk about asking for the fruit of the Spirit to come out of you. Because like you're so frustrated. I'm talking like thousands of pieces. Like, and you're like, the one is missing. Just like you're heartbroken about that one piece, realize that when one person's missing, it's not complete. God made the picture. We got to realize that we're the part. And for the world to see that picture, we all have to come together. Well, I don't like that God on my left. My bad. That's how God cut us. You got to go there. You got to be there. But it's worth it. Colossians 3, 22 through 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since we know that we will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. So we have to realize that we have to work it with a diligent attitude. Serving others is really what God had in mind when he developed the church. A community of believers coming together, looking to bless and help each other. So focusing on that, the actions and doing something. That little section I want to close with is don't focus on what you can't do, but focus on what you can do. There's so many things like, well, I wish I could do this. I wish if I had more time, if I wasn't working shift work, I would do this and this. Don't work. Don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what you can do. That change your life. Start where you're at. Okay? I'm trying to wrap up now. Accomplishing your purpose for which the Lord has built and fashioned you will require W-O-R-K on your end. People say, oh, you want an easy job? Join the ministry. They didn't know what the ministry was. It is work. It is never-ending work. It's never complete. My weeks sometimes overlap, but we are all in ministry work. We're never done. Okay? You know, pastoring requires a lot of work for me, but it also brings the greatest satisfaction when I see people grow and excited and plugging in and, and receiving healing. And, uh, you know, I, ha- I had somebody that is, is now a member when they showed up. They said, I don't trust pastors. I said, fair enough. You don't have to trust me. I said, just keep coming. So I understand trust can be broken and trust has to be earned. Well, that person's a member at our church now. So given enough time and enough credibility and in the right environment, those past wounds, those past hurts can change. Pastor Noe will not always get it right. But I sure will try to do the best I can. Um, You know, one of the things that you have to realize is that Doing what God has called us will bring us the satisfaction that we need. Um, 
went too far on this. Um, one of my number one, you know what my main responsibility is as a pastor of this church? You know what it is? I'm waiting. Showing up on Sunday and preaching. Making sure the bills are paid. Wearing the nice, fashionable white shoes. What do you think it is? It's my number one job. Watching the flock. Man, y'all about to get a revelation. It, give, it spells it out exactly what the role of a pastor is supposed to do. Pastor Jim, we're going to have to do some more preaching, brother. Ephesians 4.12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Who are the saints? Mm-hmm. So that's not Pastor Noe doing the work of ministry. It's equipping you for the work of ministry. You realize that? That's my job is to equip you, to challenge you. And I don't know if it's you need a hug this morning. I don't need, know if you need a kick in the pants this morning. But my job is to make sure you get in the game. You get involved. You get, you get, you get committed to the living, breathing family of God. Because it's really in that you will find what your presence is. You know, it says, for building up the body of Christ, I help you to be equipped so that each of you can build up the church. Small town, Bay City, we think the pastor does it all. That's not what we're striving to build here at Harvest Time. I am challenging you to be all that God has called you to do, all that he's called you to be that we might really co-labor together. Am I to shepherd you? Absolutely. Like I said, there may be times that we need to bandage you up. You're wounded. You can't serve in a healthy fashion because you're wounded. But once that, that, that wound is healed, do what God has called you to do. Get back involved. God doesn't want just some church leaders doing the work of ministry. He wants all the saints being part of the work of ministry. Today, if it's difficult for you to see what God has purposed for you to do, start with what He's already communicated in His Word, the general will that He's given us, and then allow Him in His presence to speak to you to kind of hash out all the specifics. Spend time in His presence. Allow God to reveal those things to you. We know that the Bible always gives the general purposes for all believers, but it is the Spirit who reveals the specific purpose. Luke 2, 26, it says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. There are some things that only the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. Allow God to affirm and reveal his purpose for you. Don't compare yourself to the person to your left or the person to your right. Or expect to be just like Pastor Noe. Guess what? There's only one of me, baby, and you can't be it. But you can be all that God has called you to be. And that takes the pressure off of everybody because you can only be you. Thrive in that blessing of what that is. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The scars and the flaws in the past. You can't change the past. But you can use your past to help somebody get through their present. To give them a hope of a future. Because I tell you what. There are testimonies in our lives that if people knew it, they would have hope for today. And it would catapult them into their future. It's time to get in the game. Guard your attitudes, your affections, and your actions, and you'll begin to see the purpose of God revealed in your life. God will really reveal who and whose you are, but then He will also reveal why and what 
you were created to do. But then realize it's up to you to step out in your faith for your purpose. Let me give you this one little example to, uh, to conclude the message for today. Purpose is really like following a navigation device. We, has, does anybody not use navigation device? Everybody uses them nowadays, right? If not, you're just getting lost all the time. You start doing it. But, but a navigation system, we, we put, what do we do? What do we put in first? The destination, right? So we know where we're going. That is what God wants to reveal to you today, where you're going, what he has called you to do. But what we do in life is we say, Lord, this is what you've called me to. And then you turn off the notifications. You know what God has spoken to you of where you're supposed to go. And then you turn off. Good luck getting where you're going if you don't know where you're going. I guess I'll take a left here. I guess I'll take a right here. I mean, that would be foolish, right? I'm talking about going somewhere you've never been. But God gives you the destination. But He also wants to give you every single step of the way. Sometimes we miss the turn. And and God says what? Rerouting. Turn it around, buddy. You missed it. Because He wants to keep you on course. Spending time in His presence is like continually looking at the GPS to make sure that we get to our destination. You should check your course often. God will show you where you're going and what you're to do. But He'll also give you the steps to get there. God will not fail you. If He's called you to do it, He'll work it out in you. This week, as I I release you from this service this morning, I want you to ask God to do two things in your life. First and foremost, say, Lord, show me who I am to you and how you see me. That you would come back next Sunday with the affirmation of the Lord, knowing who you are and how He sees you. And it would just be revolutionary to your lives. Because if you could see in your life what God sees, that would make all the difference. We don't think we're good enough. We think we're too flawed. We have too many failures. We are unusable. But that's the kind of people God uses. Secondly, ask, say, God, reveal to me why I was created. Allow Him to show you your destination. Now, it's not always not what we want to do. Like, it's what God asks us to do. If you're really, really good at it and you're gifted to do it, God probably wants you to do that. You know, I know it's one of these things that's, that's hard because there are seasons in a church that everybody wants to sit and not serve. I get that. But we can't have people sitting nonstop and no one serving. Because then what happens, those that are serving get tired get wore out and God forbid we give up because the burden was far too heavy but if we all discover purpose we all support the living organism that the church is and it causes us to be all that God has called us to be you guys stand up with me this morning I wanted to do something this morning because it's not fair to ask you to get in the game and not allow you to get in the game. Now, I know some of you are already serving. Some of you uh, are not. But I want today what I want to do, I want to, these impact team cards, these impact teams are for members, not members. I don't care if you know Jesus or not. So hold on. You don't, for this list, 
There are ministry teams that, yeah, you need to go through the new membership class. There's different things like that. But this impact team card right here allows you to get plugged into the process of the church and allows you to build relationship and to serve alongside other people right now. If you've never done that, at least try it. At least sign up. At least serve somewhere. If you're like, Pastor, no, I hate that job. Let's find something else for you to do. Why'd you sign up for it? I don't know. Figure out an avenue of something you really, really enjoy. Do it as unto the Lord and see what happens. Sometimes it's doing something that you're not necessarily called to do that He reveals what it is that you are called to do. There's a lot of stuff I've done that I was like, man, I didn't want to do that. I'm glad I did it because He called me to pastor church now. What kind of pastor would I be like, I didn't want to take that trash out. I didn't want to pick up that stuff. I didn't want to do that. But praise God. I, was, I allowed him to show me those things. Say, Lord, I'll serve you anywhere. I don't have to pastor to serve you. But whatever you call me to do, Lord, I'll do it. I'm going to set these right here, and I would encourage every single one of you, get plugged in today, right now. I don't have time. It's all right. We schedule stuff. We got schedulers. We got programs. We got things. We got tons of ways to make sure it works for you. But let me tell you what. If we all serve, we all get moments to rest. This might be hard for some of you. Some of you have been resting way too long. You'll never find that satisfaction apart from serving in some capacity in what God has called you to. We'll close with that. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your goodness to us. Father, I know that your satisfaction comes when we figure out what it is that you've created us to do. Lord, I pray right now as those that are in this room are hearing the lie of the enemy, of believing that they're not good enough. Father, you made us good enough and you chose us. It says while we were still yet sinners, you loved us and gave your life for us. Your purpose was to redeem us back to the Father. So God, I ask that our purposes of our life would to, be, to glorify you in every single way. Father, allow our lives and our church and our families and our homes to reflect a place that glorifies you. Lives full of purpose. Father, if it's still cloudy for some, I pray that as they encounter your presence and even during worship here at Harvest Time Church, when there's worship happening and our attention and our focus is on you, that your focus is on us. And God, I ask that those purposes and those plans would be revealed in our life. Father, I pray that as we go from this place that you would bless each one here under the sound of my voice, physically, spiritually, emotionally, ways they know about and ways they don't. Father, that you would enlarge their territory. Father, that you would re enlarge their personal financial resources so that they could do more in your kingdom. To have more than enough to be richly blessed. Father, I pray that you'd also release a measure of influence in their life to the positions and the places and the workplace and the school districts, all of those places that you've placed them in strategically, that they would make an impact. Jesus' name I pray.
I'm going to tell you one more thing. Some of you are already doing what God has asked you to, but you didn't realize that's what it was. You know, families need great moms. And that's what God needs some of you to be right now. You're up to your throat with kids, and I know what that feels like. When my wife leaves, I'm like, dear God, please come back. <laughs> what are we doing? Like, it's t- but so, so rest in the season you're in. That might be right where God has you. But allow God to show that. But as God gives you more time and those kids grow and they, they move out of the home or there's a different transition, make sure you continue to transition. You've got to realize that every season of your life, God wants you to have purpose and significance. I see many, many families, sometimes their kids grow up and move off and it's like, my life's over. They've lost all of the focus of what God has for them. But in every season, there's a significant sweetness that will come with it if we realize what the purpose is. Man, I'm preaching a long time. Y'all should have just been like, time to go. But I'm, I'm believing that God will continue to reveal purpose as much as you need to accomplish purpose. You hear that? You'll know what you need to do. And then if I ask you, hey, you know what your purpose is? One or two things, you'll be like, yeah, pastor, I figured out and this is what I'm doing. And some of you, you're going to still know what it is. You're going to hang your head low because you haven't done anything with it. God has a good habit of if you are faithful with what you have in your hand, he will multiply that seed to you. Be faithful with where you're at right now with what you have in your hand and see what he does in the future. Amen. Love you guys. You be blessed. If I can do anything for you, next week we are going to look at his presence excites us. Okay? That it's an exciting thing to encounter his presence. You guys be blessed. We love you. We'll see you guys next week. Cell phone? We found it. Where at? Women's restroom? Oh, that didn't take long. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.